it's uh, naturally impossible for us as people who live in time, who live in, in the now, to transcend our particular age and, and our culture in hopes of getting a kind of more objective perspective on the short window in which we live. We're kind of stuck in history. That's why if some scholar or professor uh, were to call to mind a historical event uh, with the intention of kind of giving us guidance for the presence, it's kind of the history repeats itself principle. Um, most, of, most people, including us, would probably tell him that he's, especially if you disagree with what he's saying, that he's, he's a revisionist. He's taking something from a different time and culture and manipulating it and trying to apply it to our time and teach us some lesson that's not relevant to us today. Uh, and, and we'd be right in calling him, in, do, in saying that to him. Because we really do live in a different time and culture than, every, than everyone that comes before us. And if we're going to solve problems for our particular age, uh, we need solutions for our own age. So we are, in a sense, stuck in our time. That's why I found it fascinating uh, when G.K. Chesterton, who's an Englishman from the 20th century, when he was asked why he was a Catholic, he addressed this exact issue, and he said, Catholicism is the only thing that frees a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. It's the only thing that frees a man from the degrading slavery of being a child of his age. So he thinks that Catholicism is the one thing that frees us, that gives us a perspective of history that is kind of outside of its own time. How is this possible? What, what does the church do that allows us to do this? So we could say on a basic level that the church has been kind of thinking for 2,000 years. It's, it's an institution that has been continuous for the last 2,000 years. And really we have a body of thought that no one else can really compare to. And, and, and that's impressive in itself, but we can't really say that it's unique. If you go to any university, you have access to that. You know, and there's no secret library, Catholic library, that no one else is allowed to go in except for Catholics that somehow gives us a perfect perspective of, of our own time according to history. So that's not, that's not really a sufficient argument. Uh, but So what does Chesterton mean when he says this? Uh, I think we... We can look to the gospel today for an answer to that question. Because Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? That's the question he asks them. And that single question, the question of who is Jesus, has definitively changed the history of the world. Luckily, the scriptures also give us the answer to that question, at least the simple answer, uh, Jesus asks the disciples, and they say, well, some say Elijah, some say uh, the prophets, some say John the Baptist resurrected from the dead. And then Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So Peter gives the right answer, that Jesus is God. But it's, it's this dialogue, the implications of this dialogue between Peter and Jesus, that over the past 2,000 years, have kind of driven the church forward, have given us direction. And it is this dialogue that gives us a perspective on history. So the church, in her attempts to kind of dig into the mystery of 
what Jesus being the Son of God means, what does it mean for Jesus to be the Son of God, is willing to take into consideration anyone's thoughts. Over the past 2,000 years, we're willing to consider what any thinker has to say on what, who Jesus is, what, what him being God means to us, uh, to try to dig deeper into the mystery. And this is kind of the guiding thread of history. Jesus in his person gives meaning to everything. So I, think, I feel like I need to kind of clarify this. When I, was, when I was a senior in high school was kind of when I began to fall in love with history. Uh, that was the one thing that kept me from being a totally mediocre student, was loving history. Uh, it's really the reason I went to college was because I loved history. And uh, yet simultaneously, I wasn't, I wasn't foolish enough to kind of grant authority to the figures of history you know, the world's a fascinating place, and a lot of fascinating people have lived there, but when I read, you know, one of my favorite books in high school was Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. He's a second century Roman emperor. And it was a, it was a fascinating book, but I wasn't going to let Marcus Aurelius guide my life. He's an emperor from the Roman world in the second century. He doesn't know anything about me, so I'm not going to let him guide my life on a concrete level. It wasn't really until my conversion that I understood the Catholic perspective of history. And it was in many ways what kind of brought me to the church. I, although I couldn't formulate that thought as well as Chesterton could. But when I read, when I'm in, in the search for Jesus, when I was really seeking for Jesus and who he was, I could pick up a book from Benedict XVI, who was the Pope at the time, in, in 2008 when I was kind of going through my conversion, and read that, and then the next day I could pick up something from Thomas Aquinas, who lived in the 13th century, and both of them were speaking to me as though they were living with me in our time. Both of them were, in a sense, present. They were speaking things that actually mattered for my life. So when I read the Confessions of St. Augustine, which is from the 4th century, I feel like I'm in a conversation with a friend as to how, how we are to seek Jesus. And although he's a much more brilliant friend, uh, which is kind of the point, I felt like I could struggle with him in finding who Jesus was and who God really was. So Jesus Christ is God, and so even though he lived 2,000 years ago, he transcends history. He's the one who gives us this ability. And it's actually amazing to live today because we have 2,000 extra years of contemplation on who Jesus is to look for for guidance to our questions. There's a beautiful cathedral in Chartres, France, the Chartres Cathedral. Um, it has a very famous rose window that you've probably seen in many books, even if you don't know the actual church that it was in. But below that rose window, there's five smaller windows. And it depicts the four evangelists, the writers of the Gospels, and, on their and they're sitting on the shoulders of the, the Old Testament prophets, the four great Old Testament prophets. And they're sitting on their shoulders and they're pointing up to the middle of the rose window where Jesus is. And what this is basically depicting is that, that we sit on the shoulders of giants. So when we, when we look to Christ, we can look to Christ by first kind of stepping up onto the shoulders of those who have looked before us. So the New Testament writers did it with the Old Testament. And we can do it with the New Testament writers and the fathers of the church and the medievals and the moderns. 
We have so many people to look to for guidance in our questions. This was one of my favorite parts of my conversion was, was realizing, well, I thought beforehand that I had all these profound questions that no one could answer, that they were totally original to me, and I had thought them up, and they were brilliant, and no one really had a good answer for them. And then as I, as I began to search, I realized that much smarter people than me had asked these questions. They'd formulated them in a way more intelligent way than I had, and they'd answered them. Chesterton says in that same essay, nine out of ten of what we call new ideas are simply old mistakes. And, and this isn't to say that we don't actually come up with anything original ever, because that's, that's not true. There is original thought. Um, but it is a refreshing reminder that we don't, we don't have to worry about kind of reinventing ourselves all the time. The world is always trying to reinvent itself. And everything new is seen as original and that nothing has come before it quite like we have today. And that's just not true. Uh, we are still human beings, and human beings ask the same questions over and over and over again. Uh, but we, we as Catholics do tend to be trapped in kind of the same issues as everyone else. Uh, we, we get caught up in the politics of our day, the hot-button issues, and, and the kind of trends of our time, which we shouldn't ignore because it's our calling to grapple with the problems of our time. But we don't have to, you know, stake ourselves on them. The church, the church has a wider perspective. So we can, we know that our life is meant for eternity. We don't have to stake ourselves on the issues of our own time. And even, even within the church, we kind of fall into this tunnel vision. And there's, especially recently, but there's always been the debate between those who want to go backward in time to return to the times of old and those who want to press forward into the future and into the new things that will come. And usually the tendency is for those who are looking backward to the better times of old, our tendency is to be looking to a time that never actually existed. We have an idealized sense of the past and we're, we're trying to return there, but it never existed in the first place. And when, for those who are trying to press into the future, we're, we're always trying to press into this future that's never going to exist, and like a utopia somewhere off in the distance. But we're never going to get there. What we're called to is to exist in the present, to be right where the Lord's calling us to, uh, to live as the church is to live in this age, but at the same time to live with that perspective that the church can give us, that wider perspective of eternity. The goal is always the same for us, as it was for the disciples. And that's when they were standing on that massive rock at Caesarea Philippi. They were trying to seek Jesus. They were trying to find out who he was. And that's our goal still today. And we have so many great witnesses to look to in the church. We stand on the shoulders of giants. 2,000 years of giants. So we are to seek our Savior, first in the scriptures, because that's the Lord's word, but also in the history of our wonderful church. And, and we don't need to fret about the cares of our age, about all the worries of our age, because God founded our church on the rock, and the gates of the netherworld will never prevail against it. Amen.